The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello and welcome to the Murder in Mind podcast brought to you by SJP World Media, a series where we're looking back at the uh, BBC anthology series called Murder in Mind from the year 2001. I am one half of your podcast in Gio Morty and I am joined by the neighbour from hell, old Cy. How you doing, Cy pal? Hello, neighbour from hell. Bloody Not motorhead again. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that does actually happen. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> we had a neighbour from Hal for quite a while. To be fair, did you? Yeah, when we first moved in, uh, we li- we've lived here now uh, 10, 12 years. When we first moved in, there was a family next door. Um, they've gone now, thankfully. Um, they've gone to Bristol. They did a house swap with somebody in Bristol, and the people who moved in are signed. They're great. But the family who were here originally, oh my God, they were terrible. If you imagine everything bad about people who went on the Jeremy Kyle show and that existed, this is what these, this family was like. There were stories about the, the, the wife who lived next door, her mum, so the kid's grandmum, sleeping with her own son on a regular basis. Um, they were just, oh, the, the kids were, the, the kids were feral, you know, because six o'clock in the morning, scree- you, you in, see you next Tuesday and all this sort of stuff at their parents. And then they're, they're like the eldest at the time was like 13. It was unbelievable, mate. They were, they were horrid. Were they from Stroud originally? Maybe. <laughs> But uh, they've gone now, thankfully. So. <laughs> I've heard you throw a lot of slander at, Sla- at uh, Stroud in the yeah. podcast. So didn't know where. I don't really, I don't know why I do it because I don't really know that many people from Stroud. And if you go shopping in Stroud, <laughs> it's quite nice. <laughs> I I've visited Stroud a couple of times, you know. And the first time I visited there, I drove through there probably about quarter to seven in the morning, and a guy walked past me in full kind of hunter's getup with a uh, rifle on his shoulder. Nice. Oh, I was like, all right. But he, he didn't look like a threatening hunt. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't threatened. I didn't think he was about to go on a spree. It just looked like he was just moseying on down to some woodland. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you get but, people um, walking around here with yeah. guns, but there's no woodland. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, do you know, whenever I think of um, Neighbours from Hell, I always remember Five. Do you remember the band Five? And they were on that TV show, Neighbours from Hell. Do you remember? <laughs> I remember the band Five, but I don't remember that, them being on that TV show. Yeah, they were, because when they, they were in the band, they lived together. I think they were put up in this this place, and apparently they were just, you know, doing all the sorts of things you would imagine those five individuals would do, you know, d- drugs and drink and all that business. And, uh, yeah, they were on they were on Neighbours from Hell. I'm sure they were, I might be making that up. We might get oh. a call from a lawyer. Yeah, that's it. That, that's what's going to end our Murder in Mind podcast. Not us <laughs> slandering an actor we don't like or anything. Like us accusing five of being drugged up bad neighbours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can imagine if they were bad neighbours, it would probably be much like these bad neighbours. They're just playing the FIFA soundtrack really loudly. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so as, as we alluded to, Si, we are looking at um, 
uh, episode six, which is uh, called Neighbours. Last week, um, we looked at a episode called Vigilante, didn't we? So I'm, I think um, I think you said on there that you thought it was the best one that we've watched so far. Yeah, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. Really, really good. I mean, I went down. I said on the show last week, I went downstairs and sang its praises to my wife, who had no interest at all in what I was talking about. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. It was so good. It was so good. And, and also, um, Scottish Danny as well was messaging us and, and and so on about how much he enjoyed that episode as well. So surprising because there wasn't a lot of stabbing in it. No, that's it. Well, perhaps that's why he enjoyed it. It's a detour from the norm. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so so this week's episode is called neighbors and this is an episode that me and so i've kind of alluded to before um that back before we realized it was murder in my have seen this or seen parts of it hadn't we shy yes yes indeed and there's um I, I suppose also it helps to stick in my mind because i recognize most of the cast mm, okay yeah they're quite um quite popular names especially at that time period weren't they most of them yeah yeah so uh so yeah so this episode was first released on the 10th of june 2001 uh and it and it's a new it's the first one for us uh there's a few firsts actually in this episode but um one of the first things is previous episodes we've uh listened to watched reviewed whatever you want to say um have been written either by the creator of the show anthony not barry Horowitz, um, <laughs> or completely forgotten his name. The other guy, the other <laughs> guy. Yeah. <laughs> Professional <laughs> as ever. Did write that down. This episode is written by someone completely different. This is written by a guy called Simon Sharkey. So it's his first episode, um, of the series. Um, he is credited for five episodes throughout, uh, the run. Um, he also, just for Steve-O, he wrote nine episodes of the bill. So there's that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, 26 episodes of London's Burning, uh, a couple of um, Dio and Pasco, which my gran used to watch all the time and still call it Denzel and Pasco. <laughs> uh, and that, that's all I could find, really. Apparently, he's now uh, Associate Director of the National Theatre of Scotland. And that's all I've got. Yeah, good luck to the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I've got. Um, so let's see if he's uh, you know keeping up to the, uh, the standard that we've seen throughout the series, really. Um, but yeah, like, like we said, it's, it's one which I think, um, well, there's one very obvious reason why me and you, uh, probably remembered it, but I think it's quite, it's a bit brighter and more sort of, uh, visually vibrant maybe than some of the other episodes might be one of the reasons that, um, we call it. And I, I think anyone listening, you know, you might not realize that you've seen it or that it was part of this series because I think, um, it, there is enough in there that kind of, uh, you know, jogs the memory really, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's also, I, I said about the cast being quite memorable, but it's not just that. There's certain settings in the in the episode. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it shortly, but obviously there's the, the jacuzzi and like the conservatory. Mm-hmm. That that was a real sort of vivid image in my mind when, when we were talking about this. And also the shed, the garden shed where the one yeah. character sits on occasions. That was sort of stood out to me before I pressed play as well. So there's obviously something about this particular episode that really sort of sticks in the mind. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so uh, let's get into it. We open I've written, we open with a bit of FIFA music. Uh, yeah, was it Fat Boy Slim, was it? It, it is Fat Boy uh, Slim, yeah. Rockefeller Skank, I think it's called, isn't it? Mm, yeah, very much of the time, isn't it? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, that's blaring out of a uh, a car. We've got moving trucks. Um, and we haven't opened at night time. That is a first for the series. We've actually opened you know, during the morning, really, haven't we? Or afternoon. Yeah. And it's... It's quite a pleasant setting as well, isn't it? It's a, it's a, like a little cul-de-sac, it's I guess, quite, isn't it? Little, you know, it's like a nice cul-de-sac, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, if that's the right term. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's a nice little cul-de-sac. It's not, it's not a dingy park or a pub mm-hmm. or anywhere like that. It's, it's, it's quite a pleasant area. It looks like. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, the, the fact that it's daytime, with every other episode is opened at night, even the one in the pub. Um, you know, gives it a different feel from the from the offset, really, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think straight from the off as well, you get the the sort of setting of the scene, I suppose, with regards to the the four main characters that we have. I mean, there's not many people in this episode, to be fair, is there? There's there's a lot of sort of you know, walking past and and sort of people popping in for a few seconds here and there, but it is mm. primarily four main characters, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's still very much a sort of um, condensed cast, like most of the episodes, really, isn't it? Mm. None of them have been sort of huge cast. Also, um, I suppose slightly spoiler for it, uh, there's another first here where we haven't had a murder in the first sort of four minutes, five minutes. Yeah, I was going to say about that because it's very much, well, the, the crime of, of the show, I guess, happens very, very, very much at the end of the show, which is different to everything else we've already seen. Yeah, but still in fitting with the idea of murder in mind, looking at things from a killer's point of view, isn't it? But it's just completely different spin on it, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it is. I mean, I suppose with a lot of the other episodes we've seen, it's been a case of how the killer and other people around the situation deal with it, mm-hmm. uh, and and so on. But with this, it's more of a case of showing how it builds to that happening the escalation of the situation i suppose yeah exactly exactly um see so yeah, I've, I've i've put a pulled up in a posh looking cul-de-sac um there's a range rover i think it was uh drives into the uh, for sale sign which is a bit of an old uh, a bit of an old trope really isn't it yeah. to show that people are <laughs> People don't give a crap. Drive into the old sign. And we see John Thompson with some lovely blonde highlights smoking a cigar, don't we? That, that's very, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, isn't it? Those little sort of, you know, <laughs> little tints in the hair, you know? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, definitely. Um, John Thompson, I think, most famous for uh, cold feet, but he's been in all sorts of things. You, you recognised him, you said? Yes, yes. I don't know if I knew him from Cold Feet because I've never actually seen that. But he, he's been in a lot, hasn't he? And I recognised him from various different things. He's he's in a wasn't he in a comedy show as well, like a sketch show. Yes, he is. I can't remember which one. Uh, it's not the Fast Show, is it? That he's in. I was thinking the Fast Show. Yeah, uh, that would that would sound. Well, I mean, we could be both completely wrong, but I, yeah, I think I think that's correct. Across. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the fashe. It's the fashe. He was also in Twenty Four Hour Party People, uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit. Um, yeah, lo- loads of things. I mean, I can't go through all of the stuff that he's been on. He's been involved with Alan Partridge things. He's been involved with Midsummer Murders, all sorts of things. So, uh, a very recognisable face. Usually comedy style guy, oh, isn't he? Men um, behaving badly. He worked behind the bar for a bit. Men behaving badly. I think. He did. You're right. He did. That's yeah. what I know him from. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, he took over from the old boy, didn't he? Yes. 
yeah i remember i remember yeah um we also see uh so just to introduce the other main characters we've got um character called nigel who is played by kevin waitley who you recognize as well i would guess yes Yes, yep. um, he was Lewis, wasn't he? As you mentioned last week, and I was a bit unsure, but now I've seen yep. him, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, he was he was Lewis uh, in Lewis and uh, Morse. He was Neville in Off We Um and he was also in Peak Practice, apparently. But he's been around for a while by this point, hasn't he? By 2001, mm. he, he was quite a recognisable face already. Um, we've also got his wife Joanna. Did you recognise her? Because I wouldn't have. No, no, she's the one that I didn't recognise. Yeah, she's she's done. Um, I, I'll be honest; she looks younger now than she did then. So I think that was a purposeful. So the, the, this these characters, really, Nigel and Joanna, they're quite. Would you say they're middle class or? Yeah, I think so. I think they're quite. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Middle class is spot on uh, with 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 everything about them, how they how they talk, how they dress, how they act, and so on. I yeah. think it's not just middle class. Uh, in attitude I, I think there's an age thing as well that separates the, the the two groups of people the two couples living next door to each other i think it's an age thing as well as a class thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and they um they, they're quite they're middle-aged and they're quite um you know sort of almost stuffy aren't they really and i think mm. that that's why why she sort of looks that way um i think she plays it very well um it's the um yeah, so I, I've, I've written here. It's the first one, and I'm so happy. And I don't, I didn't know why. And then I remembered, it's a quantum leap alert. Just oh, hello. Key... <laughs> Apparently, she was in series four, episode seven, the wrong stuff, and she played Doctor Leslie Ashton. So there you go. The wrong stuff. That's oh, wrong. I'm gonna have to look that back up. I, I know I've, oh, I, I guarantee I've seen it several times, but yeah. I'm gonna have to look go. that up. Yeah. Quantum leap alert, just for you. Oh yeah. Oh, hang on. The wrong stuff is that might be the one with the monkeys. <laughs> I've got no context to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also uh, shortly we get joined by uh, Deborah, who is Denise Van Alton, who I think most people must recognise Denise Van Alton from all sorts of things. Possibly our age would be most familiar with her for Big Breakfast, actually. Yeah as a presenter maybe rather than a an actress per se yeah definitely um big breakfast it it used to be a battle in my house because me and my sister when we were going to school would want the big breakfast on because it was aimed more at that sort of age wasn't it i guess yeah yeah up to whatever and my dad would always want i think it was tvam still back in that time okay and it was a constant battle between who was having what on the TV. And my dad would leave the room to go make a cup of tea in the morning and we'd turn over and then he'd walk back in, turn back over again. And it would go back and forth like this all, all, all morning. We're only, in the, we're, only, we're only there for half an hour before we get in the car. But it's just a constant, <laughs> constant channel battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she's been with loads of stuff. Uh, she's quite, again, she was very popular at that time because she was sort of Essex girl type blonde young kind of person wasn't she incredibly attractive young lady yeah but with a personality which i think yes. is what sort of set her apart from a lot of them that you saw on the tv that were just put there um to be uh 
you know sort of used for their looks really but she she was a bit different being that sort of stereotypical Essex girl really wasn't she as well at the time yes indeed and you mentioned there as well the, the quantum leap uh, link it, the wrong stuff is the episode with the monkeys so that's, okay it's basically sam it's when they started doing really silly stuff that um like leaping into certain famous figures and so on uh, the, in this right. occasion sam leaps into the body of a chimpanzee and oh. his mission is to stop they're in like the 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 space race i guess between the states mm-hmm. and and the russians and so on and they're sending monkeys up to space and he's got to try and stop this this other monkey getting killed for some reason it's bloody ridiculous and it's it not, sounds amazing it's not very good <laughs> at all i'm not a fan of that episode whatsoever oh well get in the bin whatever your name was yes <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, the first Quantum Leap alert I get, and it's utter cack. The weird thing is, I actually watched it only a couple of days ago as well. <laughs> and I don't I, I don't recognise her in it. I, I, I don't know. She was doctor someone. She was a mm. doctor of some description. It might have been a, a minor role, perhaps. But again, she, you know, I think here she's purposely made to look perhaps older than she is. Um, yes. Made to look a bit sort of... Um, dowd and you know but yeah her hair is kind of very basic and she's got the glasses and the cardigans and she's you know i think it's purposeful so maybe she was a bit more done up or just a bit different and so i've, I've seen images of her now and she looks younger now than she did then so um yeah that, that, that that's kind of the most things that i could find really about her um yeah so we see old lewis i've written uh shaving <laughs> and his wife comes in and tells him the new neighbors have arrived and then we get denise van alton arriving in a sports car um so they've obviously got some money sign yes yeah it looks that way um i think it's trying to show a bit of chaos really you've got music blaring kids running around with your toy guns removal men etc and all sort of quick camera cuts I thought kevin dunn had taken over for a second um <laughs> as lewis and his mrs leave uh i probably will keep calling him lewis so i'm not even doing it on purpose um yeah, yeah so you've opened up and say very differently um but yeah i think it's just trying to show it's setting the scene very early side of, of, of chaos, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, I think this is where it's going to be interesting talking about this episode because my memories of it are very much centered around Denise Van Aten because of the age I was <laughs> at when this was on television. But yeah. the the theme it basically is that these, these, these new neighbors are quite obnoxious and so on. Mm-hmm. However, watching it back at the age I'm at now, first of all, yeah, Denise Van Eyten, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) watching it about the age I'm at now, I sometimes agree with one couple, sometimes agree with the other couple. It's not as black and white as I initially first thought. And this is one of those moments because yeah, it's a bit chaotic and, and the character played by the fellow who was Lewis. I'm going to start calling him Lewis as well. Cause it's just easier. Um, he starts moaning and griping straight away. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, that's not too bad what's going on there. I mean, I've, you know, we, we've played music in the car. My wife likes music very, very loud in the car and she's like driving on her own and so on. Yeah. I imagine that can be annoying when she pulls up on the driveway to some neighbors. I, I don't know. But it's like 10, 15 seconds maximum. Mm-hmm. The kids can be running around, of course, but they're kids. That happens. Yeah. And they were just running around with some toys. They weren't burning the garden. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> It's one of those scenarios where straight away I'm thinking, okay, this is a bit different to what I remember it being 20-odd yeah. years ago. 
even the music i know that it, you know we sort of said it's the fifa music but it's not i don't know why it doesn't say chaos to me mm. <laughs> do you know what i mean it's um yeah i i agree with you i remember watching it years and years and years ago and thinking that you know because because the basically the way i always saw the story was that they're the neighbors from hell and they are driving these this poor couple mad now i'm older and i look at it i'm not even sure that's the story they're telling yeah i agree uh i think you know some of the nuance of the story maybe was missed on me um i think that there is is um areas of sort of um you know gray really but i think um i think there are elements where you're supposed to think oh these guys but actually i think you are supposed to we'll see when we get along are supposed to realize that they're not really the problem mm. and i think that's yes. what i kind of confirmed near the end but we'll, we'll obviously talk more about that when we uh, when we get there really um but yeah you're right other than the sign being knocked which isn't even their problem really um it's just a bit noisy because they're moving in it's yeah not really, you know anyway. exactly I mean, there was a couple of things weren't there i suppose the sign um breaks a garden gnome i think when it's knocked over i thought it just knocked the gnome over Okay, knocked it over then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they have a gripe about that, mm-hmm. but also the the parking of the, the the big car by I think it was like you said Denise Van Eyten's character drove it in, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, blocks uh, Lewis's car in, so he can't get out to go to work. Mm. Which you know, again, I can fully sympathise with that because where we live, we're right opposite a, a, a community hall. I, sp- I suppose you would call it. And we get blocked in all the time. It's incredibly frustrating. So I can I can appreciate where he's coming from with regards to how irritating that can be. But again, they're moving. Whenever someone moves, they always end up blocking people in because you've got the big lorry normally, haven't you? Yeah. And the, and the big part of it for me was at no stage did it seem to enter um, Nigel, the actual character's name is, mm-hmm. isn't it? At yeah. no point did it seem to enter his mind just to go, hey, uh, excuse me, love, can you just can you just let me out? Yeah. He just Which wants again, to gripe and moan, and then again, he bangs on like going a taxi. Theme. Yeah, it's ongoing theme, isn't it, throughout mm. the show, again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so next thing we see, they've arrived back home at night in a taxi, because of the reason that you said earlier. Um, they're having a housewarming. Uh, we've got drunk people and some very camp traffic-like lights, I've written. <laughs> again, a, a house party, especially since you've just moved in. The night you've it, moved in. Yeah, is that the worst thing in the world? It's a housewarming, isn't it? That's yeah. what a lot of people do. And I say, again, I didn't get the feel from this. Uh, maybe it's a, t- a change of the times, you know, and the, and the time that I sort of was a teenager was obviously a lot later than this, uh, a lot later than this, later than this. Um, you know, I would say those traffic light sort of disco lights, that doesn't say trouble party to me. Mm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, and the fact that, and again, I understand they can only show so much, but the fact that, you know, people are kind of coming out drunk, and I know at some point, you know, I don't know if it's here, at some point a girl, girl throws up, but no one's, you know, snorting cocaine off the driveway or shooting up in the bins. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> revealing some of my previous parties, I suppose, but, yeah. um, <laughs> do you know, it, it again, it at this point, we're very early in, we're only a couple of minutes in, and nothing out of the ordinary i would say with a, a house party gathering i think it's quite clever because it's uh, the blocking of the driveway mm-hmm. the the knocking over of the gnome uh, and so on 
they are genuine complaints you could be ha- that you could have. You, mm-hmm. you that would piss you off. Yeah, you know. And having the party and loud music again, that can piss you off. We've got somebody mm-hmm. who our garden backs onto their garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of times a year, they throw these big parties. It, normally, summertime, they have marquee out in the back garden and so on. And it, the music goes on till stupid o'clock in the morning, and it's really, really, it's, it's a pain in the ass. But it is what it is. People have parties. Yeah, you know, you got to kind of tolerate. It. I don't live on a desert island. You got to kind of co- kind of tolerate. You know, <laughs> that there are people living in the same area as you. So it's one yeah. of those things I think that you can look at these early moments from both sides of the coin because mm. yes, yes, they can be irritating. Yes, they can be annoying, but also, are they being a bit unreasonable? Because it's not as bad as it could be. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there, there's an ongoing thread through this where I think it's a lot more nuanced than it first appears to be. If you're just what if you're just half watching it, which I might have been when I was a kid, I might have just been watching Denise Van Alton and not really taking much attention to the rest of it. I think um, that was my problem. <laughs> but actually, you know, there is a lot of to suggest later on that uh, Nigel um, isn't being reasonable. Well, obviously, he's not being reasonable, but uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than we kind of expected. I moved um, to a new house a few months ago, and I was really relieved because it's quite a nice little area. Um, it's a few older older people and stuff like that, but next-door neighbours on both sides have young kids. Um, okay. And that was during sort of the end of the summer that we moved. Um, so there was, you know, kids playing in the garden, and you have kids screaming sometimes or whatever. And I was actually quite relieved by that because I know sometimes my kids will do that. My kids are quite young. Um, and that kind of relaxed me a little bit because it, it wasn't constant every day, you know, hammering on walls or anything like that. There was just the odd bit here and there where I think, you know, a little bit more relaxed. Whereas in the past, I have lived next to, you know, perhaps old, elder people that don't have kids or whatever. And as soon as your kid kind of cries in the nighttime when they're not even one year old, and they'll make comments to you when you come home and you think, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I, I I wouldn't react very well if somebody made comments about that to me. To be honest, yeah, child crying a lot, and I'm like, yes, the child is three weeks old and yeah. has jaundice. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I've written <laughs> my notes again. Sorry, um, I've written these two boring chuffers having tea. <laughs> Um, with the music blaring next door. Uh, She's a teacher, we find out, and they discuss bullying and how to deal with it. Um, He's annoyed more people are arriving at the party, so already he's on edge, like you said. Mm. He's already irritated, isn't he? Yeah, and again, don't get me wrong, I've been in that scenario where the music's blaring and it's, you know, it is what it is. It gets ridiculous. It's like three o'clock in the morning and you're thinking, what the fuck? I'm going to be up for work or whatever. This isn't that. This is live music, yes, but it's not... I mean, they're sat in silence in their houses as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So that's going to make it seem even worse. I mean, you know, we've had to, we've, we've had to in the middle of the summer, shut the windows, shut the back door and turn the telly up where it's been so loud. Mm-hmm. This is not that sort of scenario. They're sat there in complete silence. They're, I don't even think they're barely having a conversation. So the only thing they're going to hear is the music. And like we said, not to keep getting caught up on this, but at this point, it is the first night moving in party. You you kind of give people a little bit of wiggle room, don't you? You kind of yeah. let them get out of the system or whatever. Um, yeah, he, he complains that it's gone one, 
and the party's still going, well, yeah. <laughs> not, not a party if it ends before then. Um, he comments, people are drunk. <laughs> I've written, really? Yeah, see, <laughs> I've got is... some salty comments in here. I'm not a fan of Nigel, it seems. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a fan either. Yeah, um, I've written, girl Barry's in his plants. <laughs> I'm sticking with the Barry Gibb thing. Um, yeah, girl Barry's in his plants, and he makes a comment about them moving in. Um, so, you know, that would that would annoy you, but you would just make a comment the next day, I guess? Yeah, this is it. I mean, if, if it got too late, you know, I can understand somebody going and banging on the door and being like, come on. You know, but again, that doesn't happen here. His no. poor wife just gets moaned at and moaned at and moaned at. Yeah, she takes and, a lot, doesn't she? Yeah, and I, and he he just kind of already is in this short space of time. You can see him getting more and more agitated. Mm. And I, I suppose when you get to a state where you're that wound up, and you've already got a bee in your bonnet about something, mm-hmm. the smallest of things well, can one. be blown out of proportion. Yeah. And I think that's done on purpose again throughout this. Okay. I think that's that's done on purpose because I would say a lot of the things that happen are small things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's done on purpose to show that it's just building up in him. And there are lots of times where you see more being from him being the problem. Obviously there is a big scene later on that kind of uh, changes that dynamic a little bit, but there, you know, it's kind of shown for quite a while. I think that even his wife does kind of, make comment to it she's she seems quite mousy and she tries to calm him down but she does kind of say at one point you know you, you you're making a big thing of this or something along those lines and um he kind of jumps at her doesn't he so I, again i yeah. think it's a bit, bit nuanced actually um kind of some some of this uh some of the story really um yeah so uh we have got um the next morning it's uh it's raining and she, Again, Joanna comments that they were probably just excited, you know, new house, and she'd been quite reasonable at this stage. Yeah. Um, I've written, the neighbours have a dog, and it's a big old fella. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but again, is that? I'm not 100% sure. Oh. I'm not 100% sure. But again, that's not that's not an issue. The dog isn't aggressive, as far as I, I can see. I don't think we even see it again. No. But they're Did moaning we see about it again. But Nigel has a moan about the dog, doesn't he? Yeah, but do we see the dog again after this scene? I don't think so. <laughs> it might jump in and out the car once in the blue moon as they're pulling in and out of the house, maybe. But it's, it's very not much like barking constantly or anything. It's not. It's nope. not a plot point, really, is it? No. Hmm. Um. So they knock on the on the neighbour's door, on the new got people's door, and the children answer, and we um. She asks if uh, if their mum is in. And he says, nah, she's dead, mate, basically. Uh, <laughs> says uh, his, uh, his dad's in bed, so go and wake him up. And Nigel shits his pants. Said, no, no, don't, don't, don't worry about that. He goes upstairs and we just hear uh, John Thompson's character go, bugger off. <laughs> Which, again, I can relate to. Oh, yeah, totally. So, and this is the first occasion, though, isn't it, where they're actually trying to engage. They're trying to say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've written Denise Van Elton's character runs down in some sexy gym jams. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the return of the sexy gym jams. Um, we know straight away, you know what what Denise Van Elton's character is supposed to be here. Yes, you know straight straight away why she's there. You know, um, 
Uh, Nigel and Joanna give her a bottle as a housewarming gift. I don't know what it was. Um, it wasn't champagne, I don't think, but it's something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I've, I've just got a bottle of wine, I think. Yeah. Um, she invites them in. I've written, but they stutter, and I think they, that's a good way to put it. They they try to sort of avoid coming in, don't they? Um, and then Deborah, who is Dave Fanatis' character, asks if the party disturbed them, and I've written... These two-faced fuckwits say no. Yeah, again, it's coming back to the scenario of, oh, I'd rather have a moan and a bitch and pay for a taxi than just mm-hmm. say, excuse me, can you move your car? Here's your opportunity going, well, actually, it was a bit late, but, you know, we understand you just moved in. But in future, if you can maybe keep the noise, whatever. There's ways of doing it, isn't there? Exactly. You know? she, she gave them that opportunity. She was more than reasonable. She said to them, you know, did it bother you? And they said, no, no, not at all. You know, you've got to have a housewarming, haven't you? And she's almost encouraged it because, you yeah. know, had they have said, actually, you know, one o'clock's pretty, pretty late, then because yeah, this leads on to Deborah saying, oh, she's glad they're not the stuffy types as Alan likes parties and barbecues. But that the fact that she asked them that question kind of suggests had they have said, well, no, actually, it was a bit much. She might have gone, oh, well, he does like parties and barbecues. I'll have a word of him, you know, and we'll try and we'll try and keep it down. She seems quite reasonable. Um, yeah. Deborah, doesn't she? Yeah, I think I don't quite know what I expected. Mm. I think maybe I was expecting more of the sort of bimbo airhead type character. Yeah, but she's not, is she? She's got a bit more no. to her. Yeah, which is why I think um, Denise Van Out is perfect for for the role because you know they obviously wanted a bit of eye candy in it, but like you say, she's got a bit of something about her, hasn't she? Even mm. the character, she's not. Like I said just this kind of ditzy. I suppose like a character that we see briefly later on. Perhaps. Ah, oh, see, you have to remind me when we get there. So I'm not sure who you're referring to now. <laughs> okay. Um, well, she she rocks up in a minute because she works for the cleaning company. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, I got but, you. So we find out that Alan, who is John Thompson's uh, character, he owns a cleaning service. Um, we also learn that Nigel was an insurance broker. Um, so again, insurance broker and a teacher, so they're quite... I don't know how you would describe those jobs, but they're they're quite. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be offensive to any insurance brokers because I know that we uh, we have insurance brokers in our little community. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not always the most dynamic of individuals. That's very um, well worded. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to help. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so. Alan asks, um, so Alan comes into the house, doesn't he? He comes and introduces himself. Um, yeah. John Thompson's character asks things like, how could you afford this place? Did someone die? Um, I've written, he's a bit of a bell, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 Here, yeah. he is a, he's obnoxious, he's horrible. Mm. In this moment, because the big thing that got me straight away is he's, walk, he's smoking a cigar when he's walking around that house. Yeah. That's, I, I would go mad if that mm-hmm. was my he swans in like he owns it and mm-hmm. he's saying things to them that you wouldn't say to people that you've never met before like well how can you afford a place like this and he's um so i'm gonna ask quite early on what do you think of john thompson as alan um i'm not i'm not sure i don't think i don't think it's brilliant I think it's I think it's a bit too on the nose. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit too. Uh, this guy is supposed to be. He's got a few quid. He's a bit brash. He's a bit, you know, obnoxious. But it's not played with any subtlety. It's not. It's not clever in any way. Mm. It's. It, it's just that it's, it's not very subtle at all. It's just. It's almost so far the other way that it's almost like a parody of itself. Yeah. So I, I put that I I find him very cartoony. Yes. Yep. And much like, you know, much like I was taken out of flame when Steve McFadden's character looked at the camera, as soon as John Thompson came and started talking, it took me out of the the story a little bit, to be honest, Mm. because he is a guy playing an obnoxious character. And he, you can see that he's a comedy actor because he's kind of got a bit of a comedy spin on it. He's, he's talking a certain way and he's, walking a certain way and he just like you say the big cigar and the bleach hair and it just the whole thing everything so far has been played quite straight you know denise is believable and the others are quite straight characters he comes in and just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to me a little bit um and kind of does whenever he's uh, considering you know he's one of the main characters he's not actually in it that much um but when he is in it uh i do it does take me out a little bit so i was interested if you agreed or if that was just me really you saying that about it, it's almost, you know, a, a comedy guy doing this character. That's spot on. If this was, you know, I mean, the Far Show's obviously going to come to mind because he's in it. But mm. you think Harry Enfield and Friends as well, where mm-hmm. they're playing these characters like Tory Boy and Kevin the Teenager, and it's playing up on stereotypes for laughs. Yeah. You could almost have a character of, you know, obnoxious neighbor and this would be it in, yeah, in Harry reminds me of that almost yeah there you go yeah exactly yeah yeah i um because I, I again there might be an element of the fact that we aren't we are supposed to think that they're not actually as bad as lewis lewis nigel thinks but i would say um what was his name jack in the last episode mm-hmm. with the stinky 40 year old 40 pound shoes yes he would be a better neighbor from hell yeah, and again, it, it, I, I suppose it depends on what, what they're trying to do, doesn't it? Because, and the fact that we're asking what are they trying to do, I suppose shows that they maybe haven't done it very well. Because mm. we, we're talking initially about, okay, you can understand both sides of the coin to a degree. Maybe Nigel's being a bit over the top. He's, he's, he's reacting to things he doesn't need to react to. Mm-hmm. But then this character comes in and all that... Uh, subtlety and and gray area is taken away because he walks in the house of a cigar he's talking the way he does he's kind of weirdly hitting on lewis's wife in a strange yeah, odd there's a, way there's a bit of uh, sexual tension between them quite quickly isn't there it's, yeah and it's just like yeah this guy's an absolute dick mm-hmm. and it's almost like the 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 cleverness if that's what they were going for early on has now been eradicated by this character's lack of subtlety yeah yeah definitely um i've actually written he talks too quickly i'm not going to write it (laughs) (laughs) my notes are of the usual standard um he does ask joanne so there's a few things we say that he mentions but one that i made note of he does ask joanne if uh if she's too old for kids yeah that's again it's just they're trying they're trying to really force oh actually this guy is a dick but Mm. It just it's just cartoony. Uh, I've written he doesn't know barriers. I think was what they're trying to show. He said that um, his first wife died in ninety four or ninety five, 
He's not sure which one. Um, she says, I'm sorry. And he says, uh, I guess someone has to be. I did. I did like, I did smirk at that line. Yeah. That did make me chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, it, it, it again kind of pushes that he's a comedy character. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's what this needed. And there is a few of these. I warn you now, there's a few of these in the future of murder in mind that are played up almost comedically. And I okay. think, um, and I, it, you know, they don't make for my favorite kind of things really, you know, like the vigilante, you know, you can have a little bit of humor in it, but without it being comedy per se, you know, I think there was, I can't remember what it was, but there was a line of vigilante, which we, we both found quite amusing. Um, but I think sometimes it can be a bit, a bit hammy and I find John Thompson a bit hammy in this. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, he tells, uh, Jana that Deborah is a tower of strength and that he loves her. Uh, he would tear their throat out if anyone got between them. Um, and then I've written, there is a bit of sexual tension between Alan and Joe and he tells her that she has beautiful eyes. It's all a bit odd. Yeah. Um, very strange. Yeah, and I've actually written here, this is where I've written, he's really hanging it up. He doesn't feel like a real person. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's the best way of putting it, I think. He doesn't feel believable. It's not a real person. No. Um, Nigel's car is scratched, so he's kicking off. Um, she tells him to say something, and he says, there's no point. And then I've written, he's bloody spineless. He's an absolute shithouse. Yeah. You know, he's an absolute shithouse. And again, the car being scratched, mm-hmm. that is something that you know he, he's justifiable in feeling cross about yeah because no one's come and made him aware of it or anything like that because that's mm-hmm. if if someone scratches your car and they come and tell you it's annoying but it is what it is it happens people make mistakes whatever i get very annoyed when i will go to my car in a car park which happened recently i'm not bitter about it so si, and there is <laughs> big old scratch in your car and someone's just driven off and there's no way you wouldn't know that you've made that scratch yeah, because it was quite a big one, and this one was was fairly, you know, fairly. You could you could notice it, so someone probably would have noticed that they did it. But the fact that he's not even going to ask them the question, um, again, you know, this is now three things already where he's had the opportunity to deal with it and he hasn't. And I think that's again, it's all done on purpose to show that he might be a bit more of a problem even than they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's that thing of the gray area i suppose because he's he's well within his rights to be cross about this particular situation mm-hmm. yeah but the fact that he doesn't say anything he then is adding to the issue rather than addressing it isn't he mm. yeah absolutely um later on he's doing some work working from home uh, i guess uh, a kid is banging a football against the wall uh, which is a really old trope for annoyance isn't it that you yeah. see tv shows um then a j- chainsaw starts up and next door um, cutting down trees. Um, I've written another bit of late nineties trash music playing. Um, <laughs> you got the kids running around with a toy gun. There's a fair bit of noise, but it's the middle of the day. I've written. It's a sunny day as well, mm-hmm. and I don't see an issue with this. This guy is out working in his garden. That happens. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are playing. That happens. The the wife has a bit of music on while she's working out what's the issue mm-hmm. yeah it's a garden it's a sunny day mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you i'm with you um he i've get written that he gives deborah a bit of a look um then i've written the direction gets a bit odd with lingering close-up of alan's face and the chainsaw 
Yeah, this was a bit. Uh, again, it's almost comedy esque, isn't it? It's almost. Yeah. You know, I, I, it didn't work for me. No. I think I think what they're trying to do, maybe, is because it's murder in mind, and we know it's murder in mind, and no murders happened yet. They're trying to put reminders in your house, in your mind, that someone is going to die. Yeah. Okay, I but, can get that. But I'm not done in a good way. No, no, I'm, it's not. And again, it's. I I find the character of Nigel mm-hmm. believable, or. Yes completely unbelievable there's okay. no middle ground there's there are the majority of it i think okay i get this i can understand why he's reacting this way mm-hmm. i don't understand why he hasn't said anything but he's just a shit ace that's just the nature of the character so again that can be believable mm-hmm. but then there are other moments where i think to myself oh no that, that don't work and the chainsaw thing is is one of them you know mm-hmm. with but again i suppose it's like you said more of a direction thing rather than a character thing so yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, also, when I said it gives Deborah a weird look, they, uh, there was elements at the beginning of this, and you've never well, you've seen this, but you don't you don't remember it really. No, no. Um, there's elements of this. You've had Alan flirt with Nigel's wife and have a bit of sexual tension. You've now had Nigel basically perving a little bit over Deborah. Did that yeah. kind of make you think that was going to go in that direction, where there was going to kind of be a bit of a... You know, there was a there was a moment when <laughs> when she opened the front door, he was checking her out, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And then he's watching her work out as well. Yeah. And I, I started thinking, okay, I I don't remember there being anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was very strongly feeling like that may be the course it takes. Yeah, but I think I think that gets kind of shut down quite quickly as well because it i think for the for the start of the episode for these moments hmm. it's quite apparent that that is going on and then it just kind of stops i think later on there is a bit later on where um yeah we'll get to it but a video camera does become introduced and he does linger oh, yes. a, a lot yeah that's a fair point yeah um which you know what is he doing those videotapes the dirty old man um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So with with that um, chainsaw business, the dog barks, and Nigel falls down from the fence and lands in dog shit. Yeah, he does. And, and this made me wonder a little bit. I mean, obviously, we get in a in a in a few moments the situation where the workmen have come in to to do some stuff in the garden, and they've removed certain panels from the fence, haven't they? Mm, yeah, but that hasn't happened yet. No. Nope. So how is the dog shit in their garden? He's can jump really high. I'll just, uh, yeah, stuff that. That to me is a little bit of a plot hole there. So how is he shit in that garden? Maybe he's got a bionic bum hole like uh, Dan Griffin. <laughs> I'm gonna fire it 45 yards <laughs> <laughs> potentially. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, Nigel's wife Joanne says that he's letting it get to him and he's blowing it out of proportion. So this is the first sort of time that she's saying that. Um, and I think at this stage he is. Um, and then Joanna says, yeah, Alan is a monster. Um, and he says, yeah, he may be evil. And I've written, that's a little bit OTT. Yeah, that, that's quite a leap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, he was he clearly didn't have any kind of social boundaries when he came around. But a monster and evil from, again, someone that we've seen already in this, that kind of one scene where he was there to be a bit comedy-esque. Mm. 
um, yeah, it's not all fitting into place, is it, Si? No, and again, regardless of how weird and uh, what well, literally just that weird it was, he was trying to compliment Nigel's wife. Yeah, okay, it was kind of a weird hitting on her in a real sort of brash way, but he was being complimentary. But he Nigel was talking didn't about see that. no, no, of course, and he was talking about how he loves his wife and so on. <laughs> so it's not. I mean, that's not evil. You know what I mean? It's, it it seemed quite a, quite a stretch for for Nigel to think that. Yeah, yeah, because he was he's evil because he was chopping down a tree. <laughs> exactly, and, and owns a dog. I don't yeah. really. Yeah. Um, again, you know, they could be purposely doing this. They could be purposely portraying that Nigel's the problem. But the fact that Joanne's went, oh yeah, he's a monster. Uh, I was like, mm, maybe they are. Maybe this is the writer's idea of an awful neighbour. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, I, I could probably show them worse. Oh, I've <laughs> I've lived next to worse, like I mentioned. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, is they, they need to calmly and politely tell him how they feel. And Nigel says that Alan is psychotic. Again, I'm not sure that's been shown that he's psychotic. Yeah, where's that, where's that come from? Yeah. Um, and now Nigel is videoing himself in the shed, which sounds a lot sexier than I uh, intended it to. Um, <laughs> he's recording a video uh, that is for evidence to raise a complaint with the local authorities, is what he says at the beginning. Yeah, and and this is true, isn't it? When you when you make a noise complaint or you, you do anything like that, you are told to make a list of everything that happens, days, times, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest load of bollocks ever because no one ever does anything about it. No, you know. But he, this he is very much a case of, well, they're going to tell me to do this, so I'm going to I'm going to make you know in depth notes about what's going on, and I'm going to video myself talking about it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to make my own little mini mini crazy handheld documentary about my evil neighbors and it's just it it's like he's kind of losing the plot a bit isn't it yeah and i think i think that is intentional that mm. it's it, you know these petty things are driving him mad because of obviously the, the end game really but it, it's still it, the more we're talking about it the more it doesn't fit into place with what we actually what we're being told and what we're seeing aren't really matching up yeah yeah, and again, I still I'm still undecided really as to whether we're supposed to be picking up on that or if it's just a fault in the way it's it's structured really. Yeah, uh, I've also written from experience the leaves that they're burning in the garden on those trees are going to stink. <laughs> ah, okay. My, well, my wife that... once decided so we had an old barbecue thing, and uh, one night after a few drinks, she decided to put some wood in it and use it as a fire, which is fine. Um, and then she had a few more drinks and decided to take branches that were full of leaves and stick it in there. And we just got covered in this black soot and it stank. Brilliant. Right. Yeah, enjoyed that. <laughs> um, Nigel, so, you know, next day, I think Nigel arrives home listening to classical music. I think, again, it's just to show the contrast, I guess. Yeah, and you're playing on stereotypes again, aren't you, really? Mm-hmm. Not everyone who likes Fatboy Slim is a, a brash, arrogant piece of crap, and not everyone who likes classical music is of a higher class and a lovely, a lovely person or stuffy. Yeah, it's it's very much a stereotype being used there, isn't it? Oh, definitely, for sure. Um, so he sees, as you said, building materials. Uh, he walks into their garden because they've taken his fence down, so he walks straight in. 
and we see a guy called Steve and Denise. I've written in another low cut top. Mm-hmm. I did notice. um so steve is played by Stuart wright uh i think he's best known as pc mark ian doc martin i don't know if you've watched doc martin no no okay um but also doctor who alert oh hello we've got one um this is from new who series 10 episode 8 lie of the land he played a character called alan oh okay that doesn't ring a bell Mm, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea. What's that? Uh, let's have a look. Lie of the Land. This is great audio content. This is left in. Uh, so it is. Um, it is a Peter Capaldi episode, and it is. What the hell is it about? It is. Um, ah, it's part of the three-parter about the monks okay right now i was toying with the idea of watching that the other night when i was thinking just to have something on you know in bed when i'm dozing off mm-hmm. but I, I went against it because i'm going to catch up soon and watch it with charlie so yeah but i yeah. don't remember when i was looking through the episode descriptions mm-hmm. i don't remember anything about it so i'm not going to remember the character <laughs> no no uh, I, I can picture him being in it but i can't picture what he was actually doing but i watched it not too long ago and um it is, it's a very good three-part uh story for doctor who and uh, you, I know you are, Cy, but uh, <laughs> you can check him out on the Doctor Who pod right here on the SJP World Media Network. Oh, what um, a plug. Look at this. You're so professional. <laughs> get in there, man. Get in there. Um, yeah, so uh, Nigel goes to Deborah and complains about the fence being taken down, and he says that they can't just start building without informing him. Uh, and they have a little bit of an argument here, don't they? It's the first time, really, they've had any kind of um, any actual actual friction, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I get the impression that this isn't just because of these neighbours. With this discussion and how she's how how she's reacting, mm. it's almost like she's had issues with him over other things previously. Because it's not like I I I, I may be completely misunderstanding the situation, but this is the first time we're seeing her react but it doesn't yeah. feel like it's the first time she's reacted, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's back to his video camera, and he makes out Alan. I've written, he makes out Alan is like a Viking. He must have said that, because I wouldn't have just put that word in. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he did. He did. He said Alan's like a Viking. Um, and he's furious uh, that Alan thinks he's better than them. Um, then I've written, Nigel has a bitter booze. Um, and this is when I think you're talking about Joanne and him having a an argument about it. Um, need to be careful not to make it worse. And he says it can't possibly be worse, and they unless they um, knock his house down. Um, and he calls the council on them, doesn't he? Yeah, he does get the council on them, and ah, oh, this is a proper little sneaky snitch thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And his mannerisms are very much backing that as, as well, because. He's doing a lot of peeking over the fence and having a little look at what's going on and hiding and so on. And they're sort of filming from a distance and he's becoming more and more like a proper sneaky little backstabber bastard now, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because the council came around the next day and like you say, um, that Alan realises 
that, uh, you know, obviously who that is. And he tells them he's sorry to waste their time. The guy next door has it in for him. And he calls him spineless. Um, mm. And then Nigel proves him completely right by trying to run back to the house without being seen. But he gets spotted, doesn't he? Yeah, and this is where I I don't mind Alan because he's calling him out on his nonsense, mm-hmm. and yeah. I would be exactly the same if this if this was you know if I was doing something that I mean if I'm if I'm building something in the garden which you know does not happen but if I'm doing something in the garden <laughs> and my neighbours say something to me or if I okay I going back to a previous house many many pushing twenty years ago now, I, I laid a patio mm-hmm. and I laid this patio. In, in this new place I was living in and I bought my stereo outside and played music all afternoon. It was a very hot day and I had a couple of beers on the go and I laid this patio. I did not mean any harm to anybody. No. I, I was, my girlfriend at the time had gone out. It was just me in the house, playing the music, having a few beers, putting this patio down in the sunshine. I was having a great time. Yep. A couple of days later, a letter dropped through our door, hand-delivered, by one of our neighbours, saying that they did not appreciate my music being so loud um, and being played for so long. And when it was pointed out to me, I was like, oh, Struth, do you know what? She's right. I was out of order. But I didn't even think of this at all. This was not in my mind. This is my first house, and this is, I'm, just, I'm just you know working around it, doing it up and so on. If that person had, had, had sort of just looked over the, hey, mate, turn it down and touch, will you? I'd have been mortified that I'd I'd potentially upset someone. Yeah. Um, so that was weird from the onset for me. But also in this letter, it states that she works for the council and she starts citing certain regulations and certain um, certain lines of text from different, you know, I don't know, books or whatever. Mm. Which again was a bit like, oh, you absolute shitbag. Yeah, that's a bit much, isn't it? You know, and... Uh, here with Alan, it's almost like the same feeling. He's getting on with stuff and doing what he wants to do with, with regards to his back garden. He's he's putting a, a conservatory in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Nigel's just like, oh, I'm going to get the council on you. When he could have just said, hey, mate, do you want to turn the music down a bit? Or, uh, you know, what what's going on? I can appreciate he feels slighted because they've moved panels from his fence without his permission. I can fully appreciate that. that I get, yeah. But at the same time, he doesn't 100% know when confronted about it if that is his fence. It's only one side of the garden you are responsible for. Mm -hmm. His could be the other side. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, you know, they could. uh, I I had complaint from a neighbor once, um, or twice in a way. Um, But again, it was never someone just saying something to you. It was a. The first one was a letter that was given to the agency that rented uh, that uh, rented out the flat that I lived in. Okay. Um, and one of the complaints was heavy footsteps, and I went to the agency and I said, "I'm 15 stone. They're gonna be fucking light footsteps, are they?" <laughs> and we just saw a zip wire in the flat. What do you want from yeah. me? <laughs> and the the flat that I moved into was um it, the front door was one of those glass internal doors, so you could hear everything in that block of flats. Okay. Everything, everywhere. So there wasn't a great deal we could really do about it. There was a few other complaints in there as well, but it was all kind of foundless. And then the second time was actually, um, these flats were called the flats on stilts, everyone knows them as, um, because you've got the car park, sort of small car park underneath them. 
and they okay, built right. some um, new houses opposite. And I didn't drive at the time. Uh, so underneath the block of flats, I had a allocated parking space, um, which I didn't utilize. And uh, opposite, there was a guy that worked um, with us. Oh, I wouldn't even say the friend, he just worked with us. Um, and his house opposite didn't have any parking. So he had to kind of park in the road, it's all a bit awkward. So he asked me if he could use my parking spot. And I said, yeah, no problem. Um, and someone who I know who it was, that same neighbor, left a note underneath his windscreen wiper, basically warning him to move his car because it's for residents only. But it wasn't even their parking spot. It was mine. What I was so annoyed. So I wrote a letter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I left it under on the back of her letter and left it under her windscreen wiper saying that I am the occupant of that flat and I have given them permission and, uh, and just put that under. It was very nicely written. Um, and then when I saw her the next morning, I said, I, she kind of gave me this kind of side look and I stopped and I said, Oh, just so you know, that car downstairs. Oh yeah, no worries. I thought they were, you know, taking the piss and trying to put, I said, if they were, I, I would have dealt with it, but thank you anyway, you know, mm. all of that. But when I stopped her to talk to her, she looked terrified at the idea of me talking to her. Um, and that, that, that was, as I say, she was the same person that wrote to the agency and it, it's just like, you know, if you've got a problem, it's just talk about it we can be reasonable humans and i think nigel's point on this to bring this back to you know to get out of cyan mort's therapy session um <laughs> is, is that he doesn't feel that alan is reasonable but he hasn't actually given him the chance no to know that he just he's just taken that from the fact that he's come in all billy big bollocks he hasn't actually tried to have the conversation um i've written again alan makes a fair point um and he says that he doesn't need permission for the concrete um he doesn't understand their attitude maybe it's just because they're jealous of of alan um he nearly trips up here and calls it conservatory and corrects himself with greenhouse uh but again but again that really was comedy, done for yes, comedy. Wasn't it? yeah yeah it was, yeah I, I didn't work for me um okay. later on nigel chats i've written with a posh sounding neighbor called glenn um He's um, not been in more than eight episodes here. What the hell am I on about there? Um, <laughs> Just for clarity as well, I suppose people listening might want to know. We initially had this recording planned for a little while back. Yeah. And I had to postpone. Yeah. And we both watched the episode and made our notes. So now we're working off notes that yeah. you know we, we've got that would have made sense on the day maybe <laughs> yeah. but now yeah. we're like you know some time has passed it's like okay what do we remember about the episode and i'm reading some of my notes and i'm thinking what the hell is that <laughs> i've even got a moment here where i've written um <laughs> about reacting instantly to the music um my my phone where i've made my notes has auto corrected nigel to nigeria <laughs> so it says nigeria reacts instantly to some music and i'm like <laughs> What, the, what, what am I on about? I'm thinking, why am I writing about some country in Africa? <laughs> you know, where I've not made the link that is, yeah. So, <laughs> and the thing is, as well, me and you both famously have awful memories. Oh, so. right, right, right. <laughs> um, and Nigel makes out that Alan is awful, and Glenn says, I don't know, really. When I, I first met him, he sent the kids around to clean up my car, uh, but he said that he wouldn't let them because they asked for money again. It's they're trying to be funny, and I think it misses the spot. Yeah. Um, and Glenn says, I'm not really bothered, mate, to be honest. He doesn't say it like that because he's posh. 
um, I'm not really asked. Um, yeah, that's and not again, it kind of it makes Alan the way Alan's talking as well. He not Alan, sorry, Nigeria. Nigeria. The way Nigeria is talking, yeah. he he's saying, you know, what about this though, and what about this though, and oh, what about this though, and the other guy who's looking at him like, what you on about? Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah. yeah. Again, I think that is intentional, isn't it? It's got to be. Mm. Yes. Um, I've written that he's uh, he's now videoing himself again, moaning about not having privacy because the builders and the conservatory being grand, and he feels belittled by it. Um, Alan thinks he's better than them, and he said it's time to start planning the revolution. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a bit cringe, wasn't it? It was, but I, do you know what? I think that does fit the character because he's oh, yeah, a bit, yeah. he's a bit, yeah, he is a bit cringe, isn't he? And I, again, I do think it's purposeful that he's saying, oh, they're taking away our privacy because they've got this big grand thing. And then he's videoing them. I think that is done on purpose. And the fact that he does mention he feels belittled. I think there is a, a dick measuring contest here. He's got Alan, who is a common bloke who's got a lot of money, seemingly more money than Nigel has. And I think that is bothering him. He's got this hot young wife. And I think that is bothering the guy just as much as everything else. I think that's done on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a sort of hint of jealousy to it, isn't there, with regards to Nigel's reactions, I suppose. For sure. Um, They discuss having friends around, but Nigel was worried about it, obviously, because of the neighbours. I've written his video on them again and focuses on Deborah. Uh, taking teas to someone and zooms in which is uh, just exactly like you've said uh, I guess I meant pervy but I've written and zooms in on her which is Percy mm, Percy <laughs> yeah. mm, Percy Jim Jams Percy Jim Jams um, and uh, he does then seem to discover her and Steve are having it off I've written yeah and th- this again though it takes another it's another step to a different level now, isn't it? Because he is now, I suppose, he's invading their private lives anyway by mm-hmm. videoing them over the fence. But he's he's now seeing things he perhaps shouldn't be because he is literally spying on them. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Joanne does make a comment about some temporary structure, the conservatory... Uh, and they mentioned that the conservatory takes their light and overlooks the property. And again, I do think they're blowing out of proportion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Joanne says the recording isn't helping and he's letting it ruin their lives. And again, they have a bit of a, a conflict about it, don't they? Yeah. And he's quite snappy, isn't he, as well? Mm. But I think this heads towards... He's on edge, isn't he? Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's kind of... It's more of a, uh, I suppose, heading towards the unraveling, the sort of losing the plot. Because uh, his wife, uh, Joanne, uh, talks about him going to see a doctor at some stage mm-hmm. as well, and or suggests they go on a holiday. She's obviously concerned about him. I don't know whether it's a mental health issue or he's under a, a huge level of stress at work, but there's, there's something up with this guy. And with this exchange where she's talking about seeing a doctor or having a holiday... This is where I'm thinking, okay, this is not the first time that these yeah. sort of character traits or, or, or moments in his personality have, have arisen. It's almost like she has seen this with other factors in their life, potentially. Yeah, and do you know what? Something that I, I can kind of um, compare it to is um, they've got quite a dull 
lifestyle really like you said you know they kind of sit in silence when they have their meal and they they like to read books and they're like, i don't know if dull but quiet kind of lifestyle mm. yeah um i i went from working it's completely different but you'll see where i'm going with this i used to work <laughs> in a very busy kitchen um which was very constant um and i needed some time out uh, just to look after myself really I stopped doing 130 sort of 40 hours a week um and just kind of you know just have a bit of time out so yeah. that's when i first started working in the care industry um and i stayed there and i never never left it and i love it um but that first sort of period of time in there that place wasn't um particularly high level and um the time restraints there were breakfast lunch and dinner really um and you worked on your own with maybe one other person and what happens there is you've lent with so much time to yourself small things become big things and okay. you know you would have kitchen assistants someone make a comment to them and you would just hear about it all freaking day because they, they're just because <laughs> they're just thinking about it it's just going on and on and on in their head and it ends up becoming this thing and i think sometimes if something does get you you have an argument with someone and something's sitting in your head every little thing that person says just riles you up until you can get yourself out of it and i think that's what's happening with nigel is now it doesn't matter what alan does alan's been written off in his head now every little thing is winding him up and poor old joanna he's uh you know really tries to kind of humor him and everything and like you say he just snaps at her doesn't he yeah yeah it's definitely uh, i think we're seeing a trait in this person not this person reacting to the situation mm. yeah for sure yeah I, I agree with you there um they have some friends around and i'm very grateful that they do because it's a doctor who alert hey <laughs> So we've got David, who is played by uh, Cammy Darwish. I, I'm really sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Um, he was in 2021 uh, episode, uh, The Flux Part 5, as a character called Kumar. Okay, I've seen The Flux, but I don't remember yeah. him. Um, probably a minor character, I would think. So I, yeah. I watched The Flux not that long ago, and I, but again, we, we, our memories suck. Um, there is that and there's a lot going. <laughs> that flux there's a lot going on a lot of moving a lot parts of, a lot uh, of characters a very of crazy them. busy story isn't it so yeah for sure for sure um then we've got um kate who is played by sita indrani um and i've written that this is one for steve because she was actually in 419 episodes of the bill oh why a lot of episodes as a character called Narika Data. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, so yeah, so that I mean that many episodes. Steve is definitely going to be familiar with with her. So let us know, Steve O, uh, if that is uh, one of your one of your favourite characters. Because I know he did he appeared on Bang Bang podcast a while ago, and Andy did the top ten, and Steve got very cross. Yes, I remember this. Yes, because the the top ten. Uh, it was very different to what Steve would have had himself, isn't it? Yeah, that's the complete opposite, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised Steve doesn't actually have a Bill podcast. Well, you might you might get that call, Sai. You might get that call. <laughs> oh, well, I, I can't do any more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I struggle with two. I don't know how you do it. Uh, <laughs> um, 
so at this dinner party, Nigel was freaking out and swearing about the music. And he's really, you know, again, he's drunk and he's really acting up. Um, they say they really don't don't hear it. And I think this is a key point as well, because he's kicking off about the loud music and his friends are like, don't know what you're on about, mate. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can hear something, but it's not bad, is it? It's not. You know, I mean, I can hear my daughter's TV from the next room sometimes, but it is what it is. We live in a house and the TV backs on. It's not a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And and this, he 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 loses the plot here, doesn't he? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he he's sloshed, isn't he? Sorry, he's sloshed, isn't he as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been necking the wine and whatever else, and yeah. And he, he makes he's, he embarrasses himself, doesn't he? he? He puts his own music on and says he wants everyone to have a bit of a dance. Yeah, yeah. And what a what a bit of music he puts on as well. <laughs> what was it? Um, oh god, what was it? It was Chris Rea. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He um, Kate at one point does before that happens. Uh, their friend asks if they've spoken to Alan about it, and I've written, of course they haven't. Um, he calls Deborah a uh, dozing tart with less between her ears than she, less between her ears than him. And she does as she's told and probably gets a slapping for it. Um, most of the time she spends laying on her back and all these things that, Pretty again, nasty. It, yeah. And Joanne says, you know, it's a vile thing to say. Mm. Um, Joanne says that it's causing considerable tension. Um, and that's when he cuts Kate off and says uh, they have no idea what they're going through. They're like prisoners in their own home. Their lives are in misery because that bastard and he banged the wall, puts Chris Rea on, and he's really lost it. He's gone proper crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I put some lovely dad dancing. Yeah, superb. Yeah. That's, that's some of my best moves. <laughs> I can I can admit <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, yeah, and their, their guests leave feeling a bit awkward. And he's like, come on, where are you going? Uh, <laughs> Um, we then see Joanne take some pills and not in a, not in a, you know, sort of not an excess of pills, but she takes a couple of pills. I guess they were for a headache because there's no other, they've not kind of discussed any other reason for that previously. Have they or alluded to no. anything? I think perhaps, she's, she, perhaps she's got issues from living with him. Yeah, maybe. Um, they're in the hot tub and I've written, this will be the scene that Cy remembers. <laughs> ah, indeed. This is the scene I remember. Yeah, because <laughs> Denise Van Alton is in the hot tub with nothing on. Yep. 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 We don't need to say anything more. Shall we just we let don't. that linger for a few seconds? Yeah, we, we don't need to say much more because whatever <laughs> I add on to this now yeah. is gonna probably going to be in bad taste. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is Dan Griffin buying the DVD set. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Next day, he apologises to Joanne. Nigel apologises to Joanne for losing it. Um, their music isn't even that loud. And he's still ranting about it. She's trying to keep him calm. Um, she suggests uh, moving. Uh, or he suggests moving. He suggests yeah. It's a proper big leap now, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I suppose in a way it shows how how close to the edge this guy is if he's willing to move house because of yeah. this. But again, it's that it's that big leap to where he is, to what we're seeing. It's completely like it's not on a level par, is it? No, exactly. Um, but yeah, she she doesn't want to move. Um, 
says they'll fight and you know he's again hamming up a little bit isn't he um and then she he says to her why are you negative negative all the time yeah. <laughs> accused of her not being supportive and i've written here he's become delusional and again i think that is personal all he can focus on is this issue that he's got with the neighbors he yep. can't even you know see the support that his wife has been giving him and just letting him you know crack on really it's dominating his life isn't it it's took over everything yeah yeah absolutely uh, she suggests a holiday then and he considers the idea um i've written they're watching a documentary about pigs um and make a comment about how they electrocute pigs to kill them mm-hmm. is what he makes a comment about uh, which i completely missed that the first 17 times that i watched it um <laughs> um Deborah leaves and knocks over his potted plant. This might have been the bit that you were thinking of earlier. Okay, um, yeah. And then a cleaner called Sue rocks up. Um, she's only got four credits to her name, so that you know, I'm not going to go into that. But this is the one I said was played just as a ditzy blonde, really, wasn't she? Yeah, and you get the because the the character of Deborah met Alan through work. Mm-hmm. She used to be a cleaner for his company, is mm-hmm. what we're told, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And here, Alan, well, basically, Alan's shagging about, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is, yeah. He is, he is, you know, inviting this young cleaner over, and they're going to jump in the, the hot tub and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it must be a case of he has a pattern of this. He's talking about his wife dying and, you know, oh, good riddance and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, they're sort of adding more weight to this whole thing about him being a bit of a dirtbag, a bit of a scumbag, a, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And more nudity. Indeed. Um, <laughs> Joanna starts hanging the washing and sees Nigel with his camera in the window. Again, he's, he's being a bit pursy, isn't he? Yeah, um, he is indeed. <laughs> and so she looks over the fence to see what he's looking at and catches an eyeful of Alan's ass. Yeah, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Oh, the rest was that bit wasn't. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I know this is an incredibly um, sexist opinion of of mine, but I don't mind seeing Denise Van Aten on the screen <laughs> with nothing on. But we don't want to see Alan's arse, John Thompson's arse. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Nigel calls him a pig again. I didn't pick up on the connection the first seventeen times I watched that. Mm. He watched the documentary about pigs, calls him a pig, and then what happens later? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Um, she says that at least Alan isn't a peeping Tom um, and Joanne asks how much time he actually spends spying and he says he won't get caught and it is just becoming again, we are starting to get in repetitive territory again maybe a little yeah. bit like one of our previous episodes yeah I think um, so so now we've got a hot tub party next door I put boobs and bums as far as the eye can see yeah so then it's not, that's not I'm, I, that made me think then almost orgy-esque yeah, it was, and I mean, Denise Van Aiten's walking around with with just a towel on, I believe, mm-hmm. and the young girl that Alan is is knocking off is is in the buff again, as yeah. the, as numerous other people as well. Mm-hmm. Are they cheating on each other, or are they just in some kind of very open minded, open relationship? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And again, that's um, their business. That's up to them. In yeah. which case, Nigel, Nigel's got no rights to be doing what he's doing anyway. Nope. He's there saying, oh, they're disgusting, they're, you know, they're cheating on each other and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is 
is that actually the case? Perhaps, is, is this an agreement in their relationship? Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, man. Um, Joanna's sleeping in the bathtub and she's taped over the window so that it's mm. dark. Um, whilst he is sitting next to a window spying and realises that they're smoking weed. So he wakes Joanne up. He's all excited. A kid on Christmas morning. They've got drugs. Uh, oh, my God. This is so bad, isn't it? He's it, Again, it's that proper little sneaky little snitch boy attitude of his. He, he thinks he's finally got them. Yeah, this is this totally is his amazing. golden ticket. This is the key now to get him what he wants. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. And she even says they're not going to do anything about a bit of weed. No. Um, police rock up. Alan talks his way out of it quite easily. He knows exactly who it was, and he is pissed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in this scenario, this to me is the first time where you can... I mean, there have been other moments where you think, okay, that's a bit out of order. That's you know, a bit of a grey area there, whatever. Mm-hmm. This this here, I'm with Nigel on this occasion. Alan is out of order. Okay. Oh, yes, but also from Alan's point of view, he's been getting on with his, he's moved to this new place. He's getting on and building a thing. The guy's called the council on him and stitched him up and not actually said anything. He then has a party and yes, he shouldn't be doing that. But then this guy pulls a police on him and he's just lost his rag. And also there'll be alcohol and stuff in his system as well. Okay. And yeah, no, he's I, now, I, I mean, you know, from his point of view, he's thinking, what a dick, what are you doing this for? So he does overreact. Um, but I suppose, you know, in his own way, things might be building up because from his, we're seeing it from Nigel's point of view, not Alan's point of view, really, are we? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm talking more about getting aggressive uh, and getting it going into their house. Yeah, no, he shouldn't. That's crossing, that's crossing a line for me. Of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. Um, the giant wakes up to quiet and she looks at Nigel when he's hiding and tells him not to open the door. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think, did he call Nigel a nonce? Yes, I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, Alan says they've had it in for him since day one and they've not, they haven't even sat down to discuss it, which is a fair point. Yeah. He says, and again, it backs up your point, Morty. It, that is what he would be feeling. Yeah, exactly. And, and from his point of view, they don't think that he's good enough for that road uh, because, you know, he's not, he's not upper class or middle class. So yeah. again, that from his point of view, he feels that they're looking down on him. <laughs> she says, no, you're not good enough for any road. <laughs> Um, which is a bit, again, I, I'm not sure in fitting with a character previously. Um, and that's when he pushes his way in because he's looking for Nigel. Um, suddenly Nigel shows a backbone I've written, uh, and tried to wrestle Alan out of the house. Um, Alan is quite action packed, really section. Uh, Alan punches Nigel who I've written takes it like a champ. Uh, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, this is again, I, I'm not, I don't like Nigel at all. But here, it's almost like now somebody is, well, the, the guy's come into his house, he's been aggressive with his wife, and he is literally, it's almost like the flick of a switch. He's gone from being this little cowardly shithouse hiding behind whatever it was to standing up for himself and, and having a bit of a scrap and so on. That I can respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and like I say, the, the, he punched the square in the face and he just cracks on. Uh, mm. I'd be on the floor. <laughs> um, 
Nigel throws a vase which nearly hits Joanne. I've written, it's all happening. Um, did you think when you were watching this that this scene was going to be the death scene? No, I didn't. Oh, didn't? I, no, I, I just kind of felt... I, I didn't for a second think that Nigel's wife, Joanne, would be involved or even okay. witness the crime. Okay, got you. So that's kind of what didn't... I mean, I didn't think this was going to be the death scene. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even pop in my head until you asked the question. So uh, it must have been quite... Uh, uh, I don't know, it just never entered my mind, I guess. Okay. Because, yeah, sometimes you see on these kind of shows, you know, that that, that would have been a brawl, maybe banged his head, mm. and maybe they cover it up. But I think it would have been a bit late for a cover-up in the uh, in the story, really. Um yeah, so um, Deborah comes around with, oh, the dog is there. Um, with the dog, <laughs> she's shouting. Um, her and Alan are pushed out of the door. He literally has the door slammed in his face. And again, comedic, falling backwards. Yeah. And Nigel and Joanne are quite shaken by this whole situation. Yeah, and, and you can understand why, can't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, that, that was you know an explosion of all this built-up tension from both sides, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And again, you make a really good point because we're looking at it from Nigel's viewpoint mm-hmm. and he, he might be justified in some gripes, but a lot of it is just the fact that he's being a bit... A bit yeah, and a bit over the top with it all. Mm-hmm. But he's also unravelling, I think, to a degree. There's oh, also definitely. something else going on, you know, behind his eyes, I guess, whatever. He's definitely had a breakdown during this period. That's what we're watching. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. Um, next morning, the uh, the little boys next door go off in a car. Joanne comes back on a bike and sees that Deborah's got bags and she has a black eye. Mm. Um, Deborah apologises for Alan. She says um, that he hates things like that ruining his party. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we should get a smile, Army. And Joanne says he's ruining their lives. And Deborah says, really? Yeah. Don't know. You know. Because they've not Again, been told. How would they know? Yeah, how would they know? Yeah. From their point of view, how would they know that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it comes back to they were, had plenty of opportunities to say something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then we get another comedic camera angle of Nigel around the corner. I think it was mm. quite a comedic camera angle. It was a bit of a strange one. Is this um, where he's building stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um... Then he speaks to the camera that Deborah and the kids have gone. It's time to take action. He doesn't consider <laughs> it cruel or evil, but necessary. Okay. So he's made that decision and that jump now. Why is he videoing himself admitting to planning to kill him? See, this is... Uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're very much now fast approaching the, the end of the episode, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give away anything uh, you know, before we cover it. But I thought that these videotapes that were running all the way through the show, this is what's going to mean he gets caught. Yeah. I, that, that's what I thought it was going towards. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it does suggest, I mean, it could be played away, as we're saying, he's having a breakdown. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Not I think that's straight, and he's talking to the camera, he's not thinking straight. But I think it's also. It is a plot device that they have put in um, because, you know, we've seen it in the past with 
different ways of when you're focusing on one character getting his thoughts across mm. so this is a way for him to tell us what he's thinking without looking at the camera and telling us what he's thinking um that's that, that's a really good point actually i didn't even think of that because you do need that because this is a guy who is unraveling mm-hmm. and he's he's basically losing the plot the more and more we go through the episode mm-hmm. you do need to have some form of a I suppose monologue with regards to how he's feeling or a a commentary from the character themselves. If it was just his ranting at his wife and so on, we wouldn't probably pick up on everything that they're trying to put forward. Yeah. So having it to the camera, it it does actually make sense all of a sudden. Yeah. 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 That's what I, I, I guess it's, it's what they were going for. I think, um, I've written that he looks exhausted and I, I've got to say now, you know, as much as we're saying about Nigel, I do think that he plays this character really well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very convincing in it. And the fact that as time goes on, he does look sleep deprived. He's starting to look knackered. Um, I, I think he does does that quite quite well. If you look at a picture of him sort of at the beginning of the episode, at this stage, he looks different. Yes. Yeah. Which, again, uh, is, is a good plot device, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um Killing one dumb creature can improve the lives of others, he says. <coughs> Dear me. He leans <laughs> over the fence and checks for the dog. Ironically, it's very quiet, I've written. Ironically, it's very quiet next door. Um, <laughs> I mean, more quiet than any of my neighbours, so, you know. Yeah, ever. <laughs> um, but it's very quiet. There's no one there, but the hot tub is on. Isn't it? Is it on? Yeah, well, he's, he's preparing, isn't he, for a guest? Okay, okay. All right, then. I thought he was out. Um, and he starts feeding a wire through the garden, up into the water through the hot tub, sticks it through a filter. I'll he tell you what, fix- you are right. Sorry, you are right. He is out. I was getting myself. All, my wires all crossed there. Yeah, wires. Um, <laughs> but the hot tub was on, I'm sure. Or maybe it was yeah. just... Yeah, I thought it was on. The lights were definitely on, because there's lights and obviously then the bubbles and the jets. In yeah. Them, the definitely on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he sticks it through the filter, the other part of the wire through some tubing, which filters through the wall. I'm not explaining this very well, but basically he's feeding a wire from his shed all the way into the garden, up through the hot tub and into a little filter bit. Uh, what did you think when you saw him doing this? I thought it was very A-team. <laughs> you know, I thought that's very creative. It's very creative. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, so he tells Joanne that he has a surprise he booked. Uh, he's booked a holiday in Australia for six weeks. And I've written, who gets a six-week holiday? And also, well, I suppose she does. She's a teacher. Oh, yeah, they're never at work, are they? Good point. Yeah. And also, Sorry, teachers. <laughs> yes, they do get school holidays, don't they? Also, if he can afford six weeks in Australia... Mm-hmm. Why does he have the jealousy over the conservatory? Why couldn't he just build his own? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That is not a cheap trip, is it? No, that's going to be crazy expensive. I mean, six weeks of spending money alone is going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Never mind getting there back, accommodation and everything else. That's, that's insane. So why why is he moaning about... Not moaning, but there's, there's subtle hints towards him... Being not, jealous of Alan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So why hasn't he just done it himself? Solid question. Um, Alan gets home and Nigel springs into action. Um, I've written, this was hilarious to me. His little 
Camo Flaffle. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, his little clamor his little camouflage, that's supposed to say, two by four covered in leaves popping through the shed roof with a camera on top. I've got my note literally says stupid camera on a stupid fake tree. <laughs> <laughs> stupid camera on a stupid fake tree. <laughs> it's just it is ridiculous. And again, it leans it's into that kind of comedy. Comedy yeah, exactly. It's very uh, well, slapstick's not the right word, but it's kind of going to that very cheesy, over-the-top kind of visual comedy. Do you know what? Do you know what it sort of makes me think of? Because because we haven't really had this with murder in mind before, and I think that's why it's maybe a bit jarring. Because all the other episodes have been played very seriously, really. Yeah. Um, and um, this feels a little bit like um, Comic Book Presents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, comic strip. Sorry. Comic strip. Yes. Presents. Yes. I know what you mean. Because they're, they're usually sort of dark comedy things. There's usually a murder or some sort of nonsense going on, but with comedy elements running through. And like you say, guys, this is literally a two by four with some leaves wrapped around it with a massive 1990s video camera shoved on top that he stuck through the roof of his shed. It is it's ridiculous. Like, it's like a really crap wooden up periscope, isn't it? <laughs> You know? Oh, it's pants. It's absolute pants. Um, yeah, so he's about to kill Alan, is basically what he's up to. Uh, but Sue is there, that cleaner. Um, I put frontal nudity this time. There was indeed. Yeah. Um, I've written horny old shaky the writer. <laughs> horny old shaky. I don't know why, but my mind instantly went to shaking Stevens. And I was <laughs> I've written that maybe sh- maybe Shaky is a is a nickname because yeah, um, <laughs> his his name was Simon Sharky, not Shaky. Ah, okay. <laughs> but I didn't realise that when I wrote it. <laughs> so, Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I wrote out horny old Shaky, and then I was like, ah, oh, maybe that's where he got the name Shaky from. No, that's no, not even was, his name. <laughs> no, not even that. Um, Sue goes for a wee. I've written. Um, because Alan says you might as well just do it in here. She says he disgusts him. So Nigel sees his window. Uh, Alan is pissing in the most comedic way you can possibly piss by rolling his eyes in the back of his head. Just yeah. to let us know. That's I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I've ever had a wee that good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember having one that was amazing. Yes. Yeah. Stuck in my head. I was very drunk and I'd been drinking for a long, well, I, I was always very drunk. Um, and I, I, uh, I, I remember unloading it. It, it was like it, a full body relief. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a strange thing to bring up. Um, <laughs> but still oddly relevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Nigel hits this big old lever and all the electric is running over the lever. It's very Ghostbusters, isn't it? Yeah. Again, it's very uh, cheesy comedy and maybe almost like would a, that a, happen no 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 it was not um and that's the end of alan isn't it yeah he gets fried mm-hmm. yep he gets fried uh it's done nigel does look shocked at this bit as if like he realizes he's actually done it which i thought was a good more realistic uh, element you know because he's planned it all this time but then once he's done it he kind of looks like oh shit yeah, if he'd sort of done a little dance or something, and uh, it wouldn't have quite worked, I don't think. <laughs> no, although he does make like jokes later on, so I think it kind of ruins that moment. 
Um, but yeah, then Sue comes back. Uh, she sees that he's dead, touches him, and he sinks into the tub. And she does a runner. She doesn't look very upset, does she? No, no. Just like she um, doesn't get caught. Yeah, that, that's literally it. She's concerned about you know getting caught there, isn't she? I think. Yeah. So yeah, she put, she touched him and he goes under the water. Um, Nigel then goes over, he takes the wire out, um, and then it, another Nigel mocks Dead Alan on the camera, saying life's too short. So that's that for me completely killed that moment of oh shit because mm-hmm. now he's mocking him. Um, Joanne makes a comment that he's very quiet next door. Maybe maybe Deborah walking out on him made him think, and Nigel says it must have been a shock for him. And then I've written, oh, for fuck's sake. Fucking hell. That's not even... I mean, that that's that's worse than 1970s James Bond puns, isn't it? Dreadful, isn't it? It's so bad. Yeah. Very comic strip presents. Mm. Um, then we, uh, we see Alan's body, dead body. Uh, he's managed to slide his way back up into a seated position, which is quite skillful. Yeah, clever. Man. Very clever corpse. Yeah. And he'd managed to roll his eyes into the back of his head post-mortem. <laughs> uh, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I sa- I'm saying it doesn't bother me, and I'm twitching like crazy. So um, we, uh, we seem to have jumped forward in time now after that. So we've seen that body. We jump forward in time. Say so we're right near the end now. We know we are. Mm-hmm. Um, as Nigel is sitting in his garden, relaxing on his bench, and he hears a door go. Uh, he looks over the fence, as he is one to do, and Deborah is collecting some towels. Um, he says the place has been empty for a while, and she says that she's moving back in today. Um, question of money, she expects that she'll get a lot from his insurance and the sale of his firm, so his uh, cleaning company is getting sold. Um, Joanne looks over too and asks how Deborah is. Doesn't seem bothered. She's not arsed at all, is she? No, nope, couldn't care less, could she? No, not at all. And again, that, I don't know if that comes down to she thought he was horrid or I don't know whether she was motivated by the money. I don't know. Even people, even people that are unhappy in relationships, if that happened, I mean, I don't know how far in the future this is, but if that happened, you even, you you would be upset for the good times that you had. And you'd be upset about, I mean, you'd be a bit upset, wouldn't you? Unless he was a complete monster that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into details or name names or anything like that because mm. it's, it's not fair on other people. You know, I'm not saying that these people would listen to this, but it's just not, it's just not the place to do it. Uh, yeah. But someone I know mm. died in circumstances that it was an accident, but it was an accident of their own causing, right. and many people were thinking oh it's so sad i'm not gonna lie i couldn't give a shit because i hated them when they were alive so i don't know i don't know if that's a motivation sometimes as well i'm not sure she didn't come across as hating him although we didn't Uh, see her that much but i don't know i don't know um yeah so she asked her how deborah is she said she's not really that bothered um she thinks she thinks the boys are right again she couldn't really care less could she um no (laughs) They couldn't really tell the cause of death. She says that, uh, you know, because obviously he was overweight and he drank too much and whatever. So it could have been anything, really. Um, she said that the funeral was quiet and Nigel gets a dig in about about it. Mm. About being quiet. Um, she says, I'm sure you'll be glad to see 
the back of him. Deborah says to them, and they're like, oh, no. So Joanne starts to say, maybe they didn't see eye to eye, but and then Nigel just completely cuts her off and goes, we were on our holly bobs. Yeah. Yeah. That gives you an idea, I suppose, of the time frame because they, they are quite tanned, aren't they? So they've obviously mm. had their six weeks in Australia. So, Well, I think they're going on their holidays now, aren't they? Isn't that where they're oh, going? Oh, well, okay. I thought they'd go on another holiday. Oh, I thought it was the same one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be completely misreading the situation. I thought they were going away for six weeks to your Australia now. Right, okay. I thought he was quite tanned. Mm, okay, maybe. I mean, it could be. could be another one. Uh, no, I'll tell you what, you're right, because he does say we're going on holiday. So then yeah. why would he have already booked another holiday if he was only just taking advantage of the situation? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's quite, let's say, you know, she she's kind of trying to say, well, we didn't see eye to eye. And then he's just like, oh, well, he gives a shit. We're going on holiday. And she's like, oh, that'd be nice for you. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit surreal, isn't it? It is. Um, Deborah says she can keep an eye on their house for them if, uh, if they like. Uh, <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and then we see Nigel with a tan, so he's back. You're you're. We were both a bit ah, right. We we're both. A bit I'm right. getting so all confused. Yeah. So now Nigel's. We see him with a tan, and he's recording himself again. And he said they had a lovely holiday. But then when they got home, Steve had moved in, uh, and the music is blaring. They're in the hot tub smoking. He says Steve is worse than Alan. At least you can say Alan worked hard and created his own wealth. Not only does he have Alan's faults, but he's a lazy parasite too. Oh, Deborah has the money now. And Nigel says, well, we can't have that. And we're right back at it. And this is where we, you know, that, yeah, he's definitely the problem. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I suppose now, I mean, this is literally the, the, the end scene, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He's there saying, you know, Steve is worse. And uh, I think, are they doing, uh, are they snorting a couple of lines as well in, in the hot tub at this point? I think they were just, I thought they were just smoking weed. I didn't, I didn't pick okay. up that. Okay, maybe it was just, I don't know. Maybe my mind's just escalating for no reason. I don't know. <laughs> it, to me, it, it almost comes across now that Nigel is thinking to himself, it's a case of better the devil you know. Mm-hmm. Because he, in his mind, he's got a worse scenario because he acted acted on the scenario we already had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, we can't live next to people like that. Life's too short. Mm-hmm. And then Nigel and Joanna drive off, and he's smiling. And I, I started to type here, that's quite a good open-ended ending, because he, he suggested that he was going to do the same thing again. And then he, they drive off, and he gives a little smile. And I was like, that's quite an interesting ending, because yeah. you know we've seen in the previous episodes that they left open-ended, really, to, to kind of play on your imagination. Yeah, um, exactly. So you, you're going to be thinking, oh, what's he done? He's done something. And then suddenly, as I was typing it, there's a huge explosion behind the house. Yeah, very comical, almost cartoon-esque explosion. Yes, and I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, and he's there smiling away. And it's, again, it's another, it's another similar to the jokes, you know, oh, it must have been a shock to him and all that sort of stuff. Mm. It doesn't fit with what I was watching at the time. Yeah. I don't know if it's a deliberate thing to try and surprise or change the mood or i'm not sure and if it was it doesn't quite work for me because it goes it, it, it does change the mood of, of the scene don't get me wrong mm. but it doesn't do it in a positive way no and, and that's also you've gone from sneakily very smartly uh killing this guy which you did with electricity mm-hmm. 
to then blowing them up. Yeah. Including Deborah. Presumably. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so, yes. Um, hmm, I'm yeah. not sure what Deborah really did to them other than bring Steve in the house. Well, um, well, that must be it. Yeah. I was going to ask what you thought about the explosion, but yeah, it was a bit... Mm. Yeah, it was just a bit cartoony and a bit... It was just a bit naff. Yeah, not necessary. No. So I suppose there is a bit of open-endedness still because they've driven off. Um, we don't know if they get caught. We don't know you know, what happens after the fact. So I suppose there is a bit of open-endedness still. So, Sai, this episode... Would this be one that you think people should keep in mind, or is it one that deserves to be murdered and forgotten about? Oh, this is tricky. Um, I'll be honest with you, as pervy or Percy as this may make me sound, <laughs> if it wasn't for Denise Van Eyten, mm. I, I would more than happily never watch this again. Do you know what the bad thing is? I'm kind of on the same <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, <laughs> I mean, I'm saying There's some that. some good I'm scenes s- that make it worth watching again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm saying that sort of almost for comedy effect with regards to the Denise mm. Fanning. She's not enough to save this show. Just just the fact that Denise, Denise Fanning in 2001 is incredibly hot isn't enough to save this show. It's, I don't really like any of the characters. Mm. and I, I I struggle with that because to me there needs to be at least something I can latch onto to get invested with yeah and I don't really like any of them or, or even fully agree with any motivations that any of them have mm-hmm. I'm I think at times it was a little bit too silly and I'm going by um, I don't know, maybe the running order of the series doesn't do it any favours. If this was the first episode we watched, maybe I would think higher of it. Really? Yeah, maybe, because the silliness and, and the daft moments and uh, all that, I would have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So I may be more tolerant of of what I've seen as the first viewing. But having seen such brilliant stuff as Teacher and Vigilante, and then we get this with some of the daftness and the oddities of certain characters. Mm-hmm. In comparison to what we've already watched, it very much pales in, in significance to, to some of the better things we've seen. If this was maybe episode one, maybe I'd look at it in a better light because I have no higher points to compare it to. Potentially, if this was episode one, we wouldn't have continued the podcast. Well, so maybe. What is this bollocks you're making me watch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of me more than Lisa Mountain in this series. Yeah. Well, she's dead, isn't she? She's got blown up in her octave. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 I think this is one that you got married, I mean, to be fair. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair enough. Uh, see, I, I've, got to, I've got to look at it properly because obviously it is an episode I've watched many times because uh, with all of these, I have had this, you know, the DVD box set since we said probably 2007, I have seen them all. But actually, when I sit and watch this, you know, I've got to look at it from when we're saying murder or keep in mind, we are telling people that are listening, is it worth watching? Is it worth an hour of your time? Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I think no. I think you could probably find those clips in an East Van Elton somewhere on the dark web. 
I'm sure Scottish Danny can find you a link. Um, Just so Google her. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Um, so as much as it pains me, I think I agree with you. And it's not as as great as um, Kevin Whiteley is in this. Yes. He is great in it. I think that um, the lady that plays Joanna does her part very well. And like you say, I think... I think um, Denise Van Alten manages in her very small areas, uh, very small scenes, um, not just from a physical standpoint, but she manages to take a character that, you know, there is nothing to it and do give her a bit of personality and a bit of, yeah. bit of something. I think they all do really well, but it's not enough to save this. I think it does need to be murdered, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you, bud. I agree. Uh, what about your VIP? Have you got a VIP for this uh, episode? It's got to be got Denise Van Alten, hasn't it? Yeah, that's again. That's coming from uh, from old SJ Percy, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'm gonna just for contrast. I'm gonna give it to Kevin Whiteley because I think okay. he he played that role perfectly. Some of the lines he were given were duff, and the character was irritating. But I think the character was supposed to be a bit irritating. And like I say, even the fact that. He clearly invested in that character. You can tell he's an old school kind of actor. He looked knackered. He looked, you know, even even like the da- the dad dancing scene and stuff like that. I just thought that he played it really well. Um, so I think you know we have to give him a little bit of props. Really, what he worked with, I thought he did quite well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's you believe this guy is unraveling, don't you? You believe yeah. that this guy's losing the plot. Mm-hmm. And it's only certain lines or certain moments that are obviously given to him mm-hmm. that add that kind of daftness that I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, and that's not him. He's done the best he can with what he has. So yeah, absolutely, exactly. Um, what about getting in the bin? Is there a character or an actor or anything that you think should uh, should get in the bin? Um, I think the way that Nigel acts at the beginning and being a bit of a shithouse mm-hmm. is up there. But I think overall it's got to be the actor who played Alan because it was like he was in a sketch show rather than a slightly more serious program, I guess. Yeah, we're agreeing again. It's, it's uh, As much as I like the guy and I like lots of stuff that he's been in, it's John Thompson. Yeah. Um, because, oh, maybe not even, well... I don't know what the direction was that he was given. Uh, there are elements to this that suggest he was told to play it that way, but I'm not sure he would really be the right person to play it any other way. Um, I think, again, there is elements to this, like we saw with Flame, where the story is good. Yeah. I just don't think it's... I think if you redid this episode now, I think it would be very... Like, like I said, if you if you had a Jack Dobbs from the last episode type character move in... And doing sort of maybe heavy drugs and being, you know, overtly aggressive the whole time. And, you know, that the neighbours actually were neighbours from hell. Um, I understand that might get rid of some of the kind of who's, who's at fault elements to it. But I don't think they really help this episode. I think you could just do neighbour from hell. This, you know, uptight guys having a meltdown. You could do it from that angle. Um, but... Uh, Alan just takes me out of it completely. So yeah, I'm with you, John Thompson. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, it, you're spot on. It that that term you use there, you know, takes you out of it. That's that's spot on for what he did too often. I think. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Si, we will be back next week. Hopefully we'll have one to uh, keep in mind. But I don't know whether it will be or not because this next episode, I've mentioned to you before, it is the final episode of the first series of the show. It is called Sleeper. And it is an episode that I do not remember. I know nothing about this. So I I must have watched it, obviously, previously. When I did my rewatch, whenever that was, last year, six months ago, we don't know, really, do we? Uh, <laughs> whenever I did it. I was tweeting about it at the time. Whenever I did it, I put this episode on, and I got a few minutes into it, and something happened with the kids, and I had to go and sort them out. The next time I had an opportunity, which is quite rare, to put the DVD on, um, I thought, oh, I'll just skip that. And I put on series two. Okay. So I haven't watched this probably for 10, 12 years, maybe more. I remember the fact that there is a sleepwalker. Okay. And I remember who the main actress is, and that is it. I don't remember anything about any murders. I don't remember anything about any plot twists. So really, this is the first episode. Me and you are going to be watching pretty much blind, both of us, really. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and one thing I will say to you is that the main uh, character in it um, is a huge star now, but at the time, quite young in her career, Keely Hawes. Ah, uh, see, I know that name. So if I know that name, she's got to be a big deal. She I is a big star. I can tell you who she is, but... She was in Ashes to Ashes. Okay. She was the main character in there. She was in Spooks. She was one of the main characters in The Bodyguard, which was quite big. She was in Line of Duty, everything. Every big sort of TV show, anything. Um... Yeah, she's a, she's a big, big time actress, but this is this is she's quite young here, early twenties, I would say. Um, so yeah, so it'll be quite interesting. Again, it's it's going back to our first episode when we saw a young James McAvoy, someone quite early in their career, um, that went on to be a big deal. Um, you know, given quite a bit of spotlight in a, in an episode. So uh, so yeah, I look forward to speaking to you about that side. Where can they? Um, where can anyone listening find you and everything you're involved in, my man? Uh, yeah, uh, best place to find anything I'm involved with is on the network that carries this show. So that's at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and, you know, all your podcast providers, players, platforms, whatever you want to word it. Um, if you search for SJP World Media, you'll find it all there. And we have the Doctor Who pod, the waiting room covering Quantum Leap, loads of wrestling stuff as well. Yeah, that's the best place to, uh, I suppose, check out stuff I'm involved in, Morty. What about your good stuff? Yeah, well, you can find me on uh, at MortyJR5 on Twitter. I don't say that much on there now. I tend to just share lots of wonderful shows that you should go and listen to. Um, I, you can also find me on another podcast, which we mentioned before, completely different to this one, really, um, because, you know, size a very intelligent man and the person that I do that podcast with is not. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm intelligent. But <laughs> in comparison. In comparison. Uh, okay, I'll all things you. are relative. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, he, he he's a very he's a very clever man in his own way. Um, yeah, called the Morty and Fitch Show. Uh, it is literally just me and a guy called Fitch talking bollocks uh, with no rhyme, reason, no theme, nothing. We just sit down and we talk bollocks uh, with the hope of making people laugh. And um, yeah, it's it's a bit of silly fun if you have a, a spare hour. And it does make me laugh. So mission accomplished on that front. I appreciate that, buddy. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week for Sleeper. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.